dropping that knowledge on you. I could not make this shit up. With Kev Nash. Oh, Hercules, Hercules. And DJ Killer Kev. Uh-oh. Let me tell you, boys, you can't make that shit up. The inside. Real deal, straight up. Are you crazy? Hottest <laughs> stories from the world of hip-hop. This is ludicrous. It's the big boss, Rick Rouse. What up? It's your boy, Young Jeezy. This is 50 Cent. Sports. Some of those dogs are the most incredible dogs I've ever seen. And what's popping in the DYT. I couldn't make this shit up. I couldn't make this shit up if I tried. I'm sad that I lack the talent to make this shit up. Here's Kev Nash and DJ Killer Kev. Week 24, 24 weeks and you can't make this up podcast. Kev Nash. DJ Killer Kev. Can you believe it's been 24 weeks, dog? Man. We, we rolling like that? Rolling like that, dog. Feel it? It's go time. It's go time. It's, it's 24 been, more. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Shouts out to everybody's downloading. Sharing, liking, listening to the podcast. We truly do appreciate it. And for you to show your love to the podcast, we just ask that you uh, you know, write, rate, comment, share, share, all that. All that good stuff on iTunes or on SoundCloud to show your love and your appreciation for the pod, man. So killer. Yeah. Yesterday, we taping this on Monday, right before the Steelers game. Yeah, to show go. you how much we dedicated to the pod. The Steelers are about to come on, and we taping the pod. Yeah, I so got if it. I'm a little distracted, that I means got, I'm looking at the game. I, I got Kev missing at least the first quarter for sure. <laughs> it's all good. Go Bengals, who they? Oh, God. We'll get into that later. <laughs> but uh, yesterday, obviously, was 9-11. Yeah, man. 15 years ago. Can you believe F- it? 15 years. I remember that day like it was 15 seconds ago. Where were you at 9-11? Okay. Um, I was three weeks into my army, uh, like what I call the real army. You know, I did basic training, did my job training, got to Fort Sill, Oklahoma, in August like twenty fourth or something like that. So I was new guy on the block trying to make some friends. You know, all that jazz. Um, night before, went out with some guys for the first time to some bar, got hammered. I think it was like their little joke. Like, let's see how much this guy can drink and function the next day. <laughs> so I woke up on 9-11, hammered. Go, I go to PT, work out, all that jazz. Get back. I'm like, screw breakfast. I need some sleep. So I, I slept and I wake up, take a shower. I'm what coming. time does PT start? Uh, six. So okay. six to seven was PT and then back to the dorm, you know, the, the mm-hmm. our barracks and, and sh- shower, shave and get ready for nine o'clock formation. So one of the guys that I had just met, he had bought a brand new, at that time, like one of those 50, 60-inch, like big boy with the bubble <laughs> bubble booty TV, but they was like new at that time. Right. So he had bought one. Everybody was in his room. So we, I stayed in an old barracks where we had community showers for like the first year, six months or so of being in the Army. So I'm coming out of the showers, going back to my room, and everybody's in his room. So I'm thinking they're just admiring his TV because I saw him carrying it in the night before. I peek my head in there right as the first plane is hitting the building. And I go, what video game is this? I, it didn't even, you know, it didn't seem real to me. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, no, this is happening right now in New York. I'm like, shut up. You know, I'm thinking they're just razzing me. So I like go out the room because it was deep in there. Went back to my room. So I turn on my TV like, oh, this is on the, the Today Show. This is on, you know, every, every channel that I got. And uh, from that point, man, it was just straight shock, you know, being in the Army, you know, an Army base, no one knows what's going on, how many more attacks. The Pentagon was getting attacked. You know, another plane was supposed to be in the air. Later we find out, you know, did, did uh, go around Cleveland area and mm-hmm. crashed in Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania area. So 
we uh don't go to formation at nine o'clock. We just all kind of just trying to figure it out. Me and my dude, we were both new. Like he was there about six months. Eleven o'clock rolled around. We said we hungry, so we going off to the Chinese buffet right outside <laughs> the gate. Bad decision. Get off the we get off off base. Go to lunch, which is that probably drive is maybe a five minute drive from where I work to the Chinese buffet. To get back on, I didn't get back on base till like 7 p.m. They had the gates closed for hours, and then they started letting cars in at that time, but they searched like the entire vehicle like you were carrying drugs. You know, like they right. searched everything. Took us forever to get back on base. And then from September 12th until Thanksgiving, seven days a week, in full Army gear, loaded, M16, Kevlar, you know, you name it. Seven days a week, eight-hour shift, 16 hours off. Roaming in a circle around a communications building. Jeez. That was my job for the first three and a half, four months of Army. 16 hours. And one week you would be on like the, the morning shift. I was going to ask and you Then that. they would rotate you to second, then third. So we was just. And you were in what? Where were you again? In Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Oh, so it's blazing hot, baby. Yeah, it's hot. Humidity on yes. 50. Yeah, full, full uniform, full ready for war picture that you see in the magazine like that's how we were dressed every day it was it was horrible i mean the building wasn't no bigger than than than, you know a normal just you know fast food restaurant you know Mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't a huge like walmart or like that it was just a regular building but it was the main communication building for the entire base so those things like people were doing that roaming around where the the base commander lived he had a roving guard around his house 24 7 Around his uh, workplace, all the gates had like you know quadruple the security. You know it was just a high time at that time. People, people, I I can remember September eleventh, like September eleventh, getting back to my dorms. You could see the highway from our dorm. Mm-hmm. People were parking their cars literally on the highway and running on base because they had to you know get ordered back in for whatever. So it was just a crazy crazy time, and that was. What was the mood like on base? Man, it was, you know, was, at first it was, you know, a little high tension. Then it becomes, don't nobody want nobody, nobody in Oklahoma? Like, you know, it, it turned into people not really thinking that nothing's going to happen here. That right. that mentality. But it happened somewhere, you know. So, right. So it's going to happen somewhere. But um, it sucked, man, because, you know, you, the weekends you was, you know, you <laughs> might you might be on that on that 10 to, 10 to 6 shift, you know, so. The weekends was shot. So were they allowing y'all to leave base like maybe like a week after? Like it, it was probably a fighter probably guess it was like two or three days where where like the base became. But at be, before this, the base was just a drive on base. It wasn't like Wright Pat, which we're all familiar with living in the area. Mm-hmm. This base had those type of gates, but it wasn't like a you you could just drive in mm-hmm. and not be nothing, no affiliation to the military. Right. So that's when all, all these gate changes happened. Mm-hmm. Tired of having these gate guards, they you know eventually in, end up hiring civilians and making it a government job. You know, but it was it was gate guards, all all the MPs on base, the police. They were, you know, they were all working like twelve hour shifts. I mean, it was. It, our whole unit is made up of everybody. You have a supply guy. You might have a cook you live by. You might have an MP you live by. So it wasn't just like a whole bunch of medics that lived together right. or, or a whole bunch of infantry or whatever guys. So you're all mixed around. So you learn people's jobs and what they shifts are. And the MPs, boy, they was, I felt for them, man. They didn't have no life. No life? Three, four months. Just 
on guard all day. Yeah, on guard. I mean, from 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 September 11th until you know, for me it was Thanksgiving time when they stopped us doing that. But then it just became we're getting prepped for, to go to war. Like everybody knew that's what was happening with you know media. You can follow along. So it just became all of 2002 for me was training. You know, we we drove from Oklahoma to California to train. Going back roads in Humvees, 35 mile an hour. You see, how long? Two and a half days. Jesus. <laughs> like we, those moments. I mean, we had a lot of, you know, it became Army. It wasn't like. It's one for play play. Yeah. I, I, I can proudly say I joined the military to do four years, get my GI Bill, and move on with my life. That was my mindset going in. 9-11 so happens to Six months after, you know, I joined in March of '01. So you know, whatever, five, six, seven months later, mm-hmm. you know, it's, that happens, and now it's real. You're going to be going to Iraq at some point. You know, it just became the thought. You know, and people going AWOL. I had a homeboy that I'm still looking for. <laughs> <laughs> he was a cool dude. I mean, we got them orders. Like it's just a regular day. You in formation, getting getting the regular rundown of the day. But this day, it's. The United States, you know, they start reading off the order. Mm-hmm. And it's a real order, like how they would do in the movie, reading, reading this order off, signed by the president or whatever, that we're going to war, de- deployed in, in February of 03. So, like that day, in that formation, was the last time I saw this dude. He, he got, we got Shut the deuces. We, we got done with that formation. He looked at me and said, bro, I'm gone. I'm like, where are you going to go? He's like, I'm, I'm gone. I ain't staying here. I'm like, bro. You can't like it's about to be wartime. You go AWOL when it's wartime. Like they're liable to put you under the jail. Like right. that's that's the threats you hear anyway. So he packed up his essentials, his J's, his his, <laughs> his yeah, yeah. Homes, baby. He, he left he, he left all his like army stuff in his room. He left you know I won't be needing this. <laughs> all all his civilian stuff is what he packed up and never saw him again. That's amazing, man. You can't yeah. make this yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. Where I was mean, you? Where was you? Man, listen. I was getting ready to start my senior year at the beloved Wright State University. Huh. Living in the village, you know what I'm saying? I got minimal classes. You know, I'm thinking to myself, like, man, I'm about to I'm about to finally graduate. <laughs> it's gonna be a gonna be a party year. Right. I got like two classes I even gotta pay attention in, dude. I'm good. I'm good money, baby. And um quick backstory. The woman who is now my wife, mm-hmm. <laughs> her and her, one of her best friends, like going, like, I wouldn't even say maybe like, I would say a month. Let's say a month before that. We're talking about joining the reserves. You mm. know, shit, college is expensive yeah. as hell, boy. Yeah. And, you know, you got to sign these papers, right? Financial aid. And then you see that number. And when you start getting closer to graduation, that shit start really hitting you like, whoa, I got to pay this shit back. Right. <laughs> like, man, working at Sprint may not cover this, you know <laughs> right. what I mean? Right. So, you know, her and her best friend were talking about that. And then it just brought me back to a situation where when my brother was uh, about to join the Army uh, coming out of high school, and, like, it was just something he told me and my mom told me. It was like, no, nah, bro. <laughs> You don't want to do this. (laughs) You ain't built for that life. (laughs) And, you know, just you go to school. You got a little brain on your shoulders. You better take your little butt to school and go learn something. Right. And that's exactly what I did. (laughs) So, you know, at that time, 
this is before classes even started because I was down there over the summer, took summer classes. So I was working at um, KB Toy Store yeah. <laughs> at the Dayton Mall, <laughs> and I was working at the library on campus. So got my uh, 10 o'clock check-in time at the library, go punch the clock, go give me some quick hours in. So I'm up, freshly moved into my apartment on campus, and then I turn on the boob tube. And I'm looking. I'm looking there with the, what the fuck is this face? And I'm thinking like, oh, this, they're replaying something. Yeah. Turn the channel. Same shit. The fuck? And straight to ESPN. They're talking about it. So yeah. then that's when I, I perk up and start paying attention. Yeah. You know, when ESPN yeah, when they goes s- away from sports, it must be something serious. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. So then I'm looking, and then number two hits. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then it's like, oh, rah, rah, the, the ABC News doing all the, like, hit the trace. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, I, and the first thing that comes to mind is my aunt. Because my aunt works downtown NYC. Mm. And I'm like, oh, shit, Aunt Jerry, what the fuck? Boom. Call my dukes. Now get my moms. Call my grandmother. Now get my grandma. Call my brother. He pick up. I'm like, yo, you see what's going on in New York? Like, yeah. And we, at the same time, it's like, Aunt Jerry, like, you talk to mommy, you talk to mommy, you talk to grandma, you know Like, no, we ain't talk to nobody. Like, oh, shit. Well, you call mommy, I'll call grandma. We trying to get a hold of them. Finally get a hold of my mom's. Like, yo, what's going on? Like, have you talked to Aunt Jerry? Like, did she go to work today? What happened? What's going on? Somebody find something out. Right. So we're just, I'm just sitting there. So I'm just like, well, just call me. Let me know something. So I go to work. I'm at the library. Nothing's going on. Everybody's just basically staring at the TV, just trying to understand what's going on, get some more information. So get back to my um apartment. My mom's called me. She finds my aunt. She never made it to work. It's, everything was happening. Right. Subways. Because that lived. was like 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know, that was that. Everybody getting the 9 o'clock yeah. work. So, yeah, she was heading to work. Yeah. And, you know, she didn't stay at Ground Zero, work at Ground Zero, but it's in the area, you know right. what I mean? So she could have been one of them people, anything could have yeah. happened. Anything all them, all them clouds, clouds and all that everything. Yeah, it was. And, you know, she te- she lives in Jersey and she uh, takes the uh, train over and all that stuff. So thank goodness she wasn't there. And, you know, you know, everybody just grouped up outside, you know, just talking like, man, what the hell's going on? And then the sound that changed my life, mm. <laughs> that sonic boom hit, boy. Yeah. Nigga, that, when that shit boomed <laughs> off. See, I heard of, you know, of course, y'all was right here. Right. Dude, <laughs> if anybody knows anything about Wright State University, Wright Pat and Wright State are, hey, handshake away from each other. Exactly. That sonic boom went off, boy. Every person on campus did like this, did the duck move. Like, yo, they thought it was over, yeah. bro. They <laughs> thought it was the atomic bomb part two. Yeah. I promise the goodness, man. So I call my moms. I'm like, yo, they just, like something just happened at the base. I ain't know what the hell it was. Right. So, you know, eventually you find out it was a jet taking off and everything yeah, like they, that. My uncle, he's a retired Air Force and he's a he's a former F-16 pilot. He was in Desert Storm. He's coming for the air shows for like 10 years. He told me an F-16, you know, these fighter jets, we see them around, but like they never really like, (laughs) they're like in four or five on a scale of one to 10. 
He told me one time him and his buddy were flying here from Florida. They flew from Florida to to the Dayton airport for the air show in 26 minutes. Get the hell out so of here. So for, for me to have that knowledge and then to know like what Wright Pat, like Wright Pat, for those that don't know, is, is, is almost like the brain of the Air Force. Like <laughs> a lot of the scientists and the people that mm-hmm. really – you know, cross X, Y, and Z and make it a Air Force standard or make it a military standard. Like a lot of important people are stationed in here at Wright Pat for those reasons. So mm-hmm. like on the flip side, like Wright Pat can defend itself. Yeah. You know, like they have the they have the pilots and the and the necessities and the accessories to hold down fort, you know, for a, a long time. So right. that takeoff, I can imagine, was just... It was yeah, it cause, was scary because, you know, <laughs> was, I'm a civilian. <laughs> I'm just a kid, man. I don't know nothing about this. And I, from that day on, it, it made me appreciate Wright Pat. And, yeah. you know, you we know it's an Air Force base. A lot of students know that going into it because, I mean, they give you that whole spiel when you come to Wright State. Man, next to Wright Pat, third word, biggest right. Air Force base. Like, all right, yeah, that's cool. All right, whatever. But when something like that happens, yeah, and then you realize like, yo, this is an Air Force base, and then you get the real rundown of what's really going on there, and like the type of minds that work there, and type of important information that's kept there at that base. Like it was a it was a moment. Obviously, they had to shut down the campus. You couldn't leave the campus. You couldn't like people that don't know Zinc Road runs up and down the campus. Yeah. Like Zinc's blocked off. Like wow. you couldn't go to Meyer. Like if you ain't got no food tough shit yeah. you better go up to this cafeteria bro like it that whole university and right pat was shut down for like three days yeah and you know my mom was like yo uh you want to come home I was like i would love to come home they not letting nobody leave it's it's operation lockdown yeah <laughs> it was crazy and when i got up with shayla <laughs> this, is, this, this is the asshole in me. I was like, yeah, so uh, when you signing up for the reserves, <laughs> the look on her face, <laughs> she could have killed me, dog. Because uh, you know what? We, you know they're about to go to war, right? right. And uh, <laughs> as soon as you finish that, you're going to. Exactly. Needless to say, <laughs> she signed them student loan papers. Like where do, where do I sign? Right. I don't care how much it is. Right. I ain't going. <laughs> right. Because that's the spiel they give yeah. you, man. Yeah, like, absolutely. Hey, we didn't pay, cover your school. Everything's. Hey, man, we're at a peacetime. You know. And shouts out to everybody who got into the military from '92 to <laughs> 2000, who got in and got out and living great. I salute you because you got over. Yeah. Because the people like you. Yeah, man. Iraq. That, you definitely paid for it. that Iraq experience, man. Like this whole like. I like this topic we're in. I can talk about this for the whole hour, so I'm trying not to just talk talk it. But being in that bubble of the military, like how how sad and kind of fucked up this sound. I like to hear y'all stories from the civilian world to hear how it was because for us it got like you know I didn't even, I, I I didn't even share with with you, with everybody how like the people that were from New York, mm-hmm. you know, we're in formation or we finally have a formation and they're kind of telling us what's what and they. Anyone from the New York, New Jersey area, fall out, come over here. And you know, you're seeing, you know, 20, 30 people, you know, some grown men crying. Not you know, their whole life could be from, you know, their whole right. family, everybody. So people had family members that worked in the World Trade Center that lost their lives. Like we had, you know, people that were directly touched by this mm-hmm. and to have to be there for them. But also like you in that bubble of like, OK, 
if I'm gonna have to do this, because I'm gonna have to unless I ruin my life, I'm gonna have to go. So it's time to learn this stuff, you know, like not take it serious, you know, because you can just like in any anything, you know, you can you can be in the military and you can go to these trainings and blow them off, but when it's midnight and you sleep and you wake up to an explosion that lifts your body off the cot. And you put on your gas mask properly so you don't die. And you grab your weapon so you have, you know, like all that gets real. And people that you could tell the ones that maybe didn't pay attention all the way through or nervous and not 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 confident in their abilities. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, come on, man. I'm like, if I got to have your back, you damn sure better have mine. Absolutely. You know, so it, it got real over there, man, just to get off that plane and be 120 degrees. And, you know, that was 100, 100. 90 to 100 degrees was, was go to bedtime. Like it was before you go there. I wanted to ask you something before you went there though. What did your mom say? My, okay. So my, my, my family, I have probably 10 family members that were and still are in the air force. Me being the mixed guy, of the family, I've always just been different, you know, not by choice, but just, Hey, been different. <laughs> so in true mixed fashion, like I'm going to something else. Everybody's in the Air Force. I'm gonna do something else. So I go to the Army, you know. And so she wasn't even happy of, of that, you know. I I made this decision at 19 years old on my own without her. I told her I was leaving in 30 days for basic training. That's how she found out I was going to the Army. You know, I did all this on my own. So it was like a moment where I wanted to be me. I wanted to be, you know, if I gotta be 19 and be grown. Has society said I'm gonna make my, some decisions for myself. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I was with it. And my friend screwed me over. That's a whole other story. <laughs> Thought well, I was gonna play football for the army. That's how it initially started. <laughs> but I mean, my mom and she, she was just like you know, she's that way. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna be there, you know, she just was keeping my spirits up. You know, that, that my, my when tough times hit, my, my mom being a nurse, you know, having seen death and the abundance that nurses and people in the medical profession do. You know, they always think about it, you know, but they are trying to be put put on that nurse hat and that mm-hmm. confident hat. Because a, a nurse can be a therapist when you're recovering from surgery to help you through a bad time where you want to quit, you know. or So nurses are more than just right. stitches and, and Band-Aids, you know. So she was really, you know, being that for me. And then the day I left for Iraq was the day after her birthday. Wow. I left February 12th was my flight was when I left. So, like, for her, it's like, he going to war on my birthday, you know, so mm. she was kind of down. I could tell, but you know, that, that, that whole time, man, it was fortunately being a medic, you know, people come to the, to us for help. So we had a phone in our aid station that other people didn't have. So people will say they wouldn't feel good just to be like, yo, man, they call home. Like, go ahead, man. I get it. You know, keep, just to keep that morale up with people. Right. Cause you know, you in war, right? Like, this was real. It wasn't, and it wasn't no phone that it wasn't no one of them cell phones like that. The, in a couple of years, everyone was having over there. It was like a landline with like 8,000 feet of cord to a communication guy across the way. You know, it was old school, but you could, you, you, you could hear mom, you could hear who you was calling. So yeah, people uh, came to us a lot, you know, just kind of for that. Like my knee been killing me. Uh, you think I can use that phone while I'm sitting here? Like, that's what you came for. Your knee ain't bothering you. Go ahead. You know, so right. it was, yeah, man, it was, what did the homie say? Because I know, you know what I'm saying, you got had peoples that was at Miami U. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Smoke was yeah. here in town. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I what call did the Smoke, homie say? I call Smoke probably weekly. It was one of them things where, like, everybody wants to be like, 
dog, be careful. You know, <laughs> dog, come get, get your butt back here. You know, and it was like when I would call, you know, he would try not to. He'd be like, yo, I know you probably didn't see this in sports. Like, cause like that time, 2003 for me in sports, I have no recollection of anything. Like, I don't know who won baseball, who won football, who won cop. Like, none of that. It was Iraq. You know, right. like, that wasn't a thought process. All thing I had was get rich or die trying. That came out in March of 03. Everybody had that CD, so everybody's rocking that 50. Mm-hmm. So that's all we had all summer, you know, was rocking that. So, I mean, it was, they were trying to be, you know, the supportive. And I got a lot of great uh, care packages from people from home. You know, moms put the thought in to be like, what what don't he have that I know he like? You know, let me get him some big red gum. Let me get him some Skittles. Let me get him some just little things that toilet paper roll versus a napkin or, you know, whatever, just little things. How long does it take something like that to get to you guys? Um, Then longer, you know, when because I was there during the war. So right. most people that, I won't say most, but a lot of people that got deployed to Iraq were after the actual war. Mm-hmm. Like we were actually going from Kuwait to try to take over Baghdad. You right. know? So all that was happening in that 24-hour drive. So things would get probably four four weeks. You know, they might get to Kuwait in a week and a half, but then they got to come find us. Right. Feel like it's safe enough to come find us. You know, like it wasn't just like they fighting us, we fighting them. Oh, here goes your, here goes your box. Yeah. Time out, time out. Care, care your mom's break. cookies. Like <laughs> They're like, I ain't going up, you know, so the mail guys wasn't really, you know, we weren't getting mail for a while. But then once once, once we secured the area and it, as best as, you know, it was going to be, we started getting boxes probably say like three weeks three four weeks but people was getting playstation sent over <laughs> like it, it got real towards my last two months it got kind of you know for what the life was it got cool you know what i'm saying like people had things we had the little dvd tvs where mm-hmm. you, you know put one dvd in and watch it on the screen you know stuff like that was coming to they like they would have a movie night and I, th- I think there's a commercial out there like that, like movie night in the military. And it was like a whole bunch of dudes sitting around with their shirts off because it's hot, <laughs> you know, trying to watch one little six inch screen, you know, trying to watch a movie on. So it was those nights, you know, but when you're all over there, it's like, you know, that's that's what that brotherhood and that lifelong friendship comes from. And I got friends I haven't talked to since that day. I can call them right now and say I need some, you know, whatever. And. I know they'll do whatever they can for me and I can be in their city and this come over. Mom's going to cook, you know, like, so you got people like that all over. That's, that's where that comes from is that, you know, we was in Iraq thinking we was going to die together, you know? Mm-hmm. So I know the biggest thing that, um, president Bush at the time when mm-hmm. he was pushing, um, get back to normalcy, yeah. get back to your normal life, get back to the everyday Routine. Don't let an attack like this on our soil stop us from doing us. Yeah, and that's like one of the few things I did agree with what he said. Um, there was presidencies. Um, because I was talking to someone that works at the radio station. Real great guy. His uh father was in the air force and everything like that. And uh, we were talking about how is or if or when nine eleven is going to turn into a barbecue holiday yeah much like fourth of july memorial day and everything like that we forget the true meaning of what happened and uh he was like oh man it'll be a hallmark card in no time like you give another five years 
And I think to myself, like, I don't think so, man. Not in our lifetime, I don't think. Not, not that, like maybe every our year, kids' kids or, you know. Because <laughs> every year when this comes around, man, everybody feels that type of way. Everybody shares their story every year on, you know, social media about where they were. Yep. Or, you know, that that's the topic of the day. Mm-hmm. For wherever you may be, you know, and then they run that run a special on mm-hmm. CNN, and my brother watches it every year because I mean, like, yeah. man, watching it again. I'm that guy too. Like, I can't do it, man. Like yeah. I just I feel so bad for those yeah. people. And and another part about 9/11 is you know, my mom's also a, is a nurse. Yeah. And after we found my aunt was safe and everything like that. For some ungodly reason known to me, she signed up to volunteer to go to Ground Zero to help. Yeah. And I think to myself, like, damn, my mom would do that. That's dope. But damn, why I got to be my mom to go? Yeah. And it's so selfish right. of me to be like, no, that's my mom. I don't want you nowhere near that. Right. Shoot, that's my aunt. You yeah. work from home. You don't right. need to be going down there. Right. And all that type of stuff. And my mom also volunteered. Um, she wasn't picked for um, when Hurricane Katrina happened. Yeah. And it's, you know, my mom's, at one point she loved nursing and then she hated it because yeah. of the time, the hours. But raising two boys on her own, that check, yeah. that bread to put. That roof, exactly. The food, them Jordans. I got one of them on lectures today from my mom about, <laughs> about that life. You know, yeah. like, like, I get it. So, <laughs> and to to know that side of my mom's, but then to know that she's willing to go, go up there, to help and sacrifice her time to do something like that. That shows her love for the industry and the field that she chose. I mean, selfishly, I'm glad she wasn't picked, right? Because I, hey man, I don't know what happened. Like. You know, my uncles talk about Vietnam and gangrene and stuff like that. Hey, man, my first thing out my my mouth to my mom when she was talking about volunteering, I was like, man, you don't know what what they had right. in them. Like they could some bomb goo shit. You breathing all that yeah. shit in? You know what's that? Gonna, what's that gonna do? To you? Cause when you were talking about Bush, it made me think of this. For those that want to look up this, I was in the 75th Exploitation Task Force. What the hell is that? I'm about to explain. (laughs) 75th Exploitation Task Force, if you Wikipedia, it it pretty much sums up. Is your name on Wikipedia? No, no, no. It's just (laughs) DJ Killer Kid. It just just sums up what I'm about to say. (laughs) The unit that I was attached to was that unit. It was put together by President Bush. This unit's only mission was to go over there with the highest of military, you know, like people, you know, we had special forces, Rangers, scientists, air force, Navy, Marines. We had, you know, people that literally had no social, like secret people, you know, and we had a, a a New York times reporter that followed us. Her name was Judith Miller. Some of y'all who are into the media life, you know, might know her name. She, uh, she was actually one of the, I think it was her and another guy, I don't remember his name, but they actually went to jail for not like spilling their sources on some of their, their info they had in their reports that kind of, you know, went to court and they actually mm-hmm. went to jail. But wow. the unit's mission was to find weapons of mass destruction. So the way I'll explain to people is if I tell you I'm going to come rob your house on Friday and it's Monday, Thursday night, just in case I come Friday, you might want to move some stuff that you want to keep. 
you know, so that's kind of what it felt like for us being over there because every building they raided, every every warehouse they raided, it would be traces of this, you know, traces of that. It was never in abundance because we had like that's that's the, the one thing that sucked the most about Iraq was we had four semis that were freezers because that's where they're going to put this stuff mm-hmm. to, to, you know, research it. They would not let us put any water in these freezers that were just sitting there <laughs> for like five months. My last four months in Iraq. Hot. So if you didn't catch the the big ice cubes going in the water buffalo in the first half hour, you know, the most of the time the water you were drinking was like bath water. Like that was life. So Bruh. like that was the one thing that like we we were like, we're not finding nothing. Y'all got freezers. Can we get a corner of this 30-foot freezer to put one case of water? You know what I'm saying? Like it got to that point, like we dying out here, like we ain't had cold water in months, you know. So, Jeez. so that was, you know, that was rough. But being being a medic, you know, we were the support for these these outstanding military personnel. You know, like these people would be able to, like the special forces guys. There, one of them, like their medics are actually PAs. Mm-hmm. They're trained PAs. They can they can do surgery right then and there to save your life. You know, they can they they can do it all. So they would come, you know, chat with us, teach us stuff. We would have classes with them a lot. And they were, like, looking at our supplies and how we was rolling. And they, to them, it's like whatever they ask for in order, it's there in four days. You know, whatever they need. Like, they had brand-new Humvees. Like, the Humvee that had, like, an actual radio in it. It looked, <laughs> looked like a nice car on the inside. Like, we had hard metal right. the 1950 deals. Humvees that we just keep and rolling, you know, like. So they were they ordered us some like aid bags, some medical stuff that we didn't have. So coming back to Oklahoma, we was like the big kids on the block. So we had all the special forces gear <laughs> that we would, that when we had you know big base, you know formations and all that. We we always looked looked at the special. So did it help you get the house? <laughs> oh, you know it did. That's why that's why I have three daughters now. That is exactly why. Walk around with your chest high for two years, <laughs> feeling like the man. Yeah, it was man. You can't make that up. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Oh man, nine eleven. But yeah, man. man, it was, it was a, it, 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 it's a time that we, we, our generation will never forget. Our generation won't let it become just turn on Fetty Wap and make some burgers. Like it's gonna be, you know, stories are gonna be told. You know, people. People from all over know someone or somebody that was affected by this, right. you know. And it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just New York. It was the Pentagon, Pentagon you know. Yeah. A lot of a lot of military people, you know. That's kind of like their their reward for a hard work of twenty year career, you know. And they they want to get a little more retirement, so they take a job at the Pentagon. It's some desk job where they just you know sign the papers all day, you know. Mm-hmm. Like some of those people, you know, that were. You know, days, weeks, months away from a thirty-year retirement, lose their life. Right. You know, so, and I got family in the DMV in that area too, man. Um, like my grandmother's uh, side of family, so I'm that down there. Never met them, but you know, I definitely thought of them yeah. when when it, everything went down. And I always think about the people on the plane that crashed in PA. Mm. I salute them so much yeah. because they said, "I ain't going out like right. this. If I'm going out." I'm going out in a blaze of glory, dog. I I just pray that's the story because I'm man, that I'm that guy. Man, you that's, sound that's like my homeboy, <laughs> one of my homies. Man, he, he just, said the same thing. I'm just like, please let that 
whatever texts that might have been sent or any emails that, that they could have got off before they, you know, like let all this just puzzle together because if that ain't what happened, I'm like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> what really? Like, I'm the, I think I am a conspiracy theorist and just in my mind. Like, C-O-N-spiracy. I don't, I don't never, I'll never talk about it. I just, within myself, I'm that guy. Like, if you say it's this, but I'd be like, but what if it was this? <laughs> like, that's just how my mind works. So I'd be like, I really hope that was, that was the thing. Cause that's what, you know, I would, I would do, you know, it's like, I'm not about to just sit there and die. Right. Like if I if, it, if if it's a rap and ain't nowhere for me to go, hey, somebody somebody gonna feel something for before I leave this place, you know. So absolutely, man. That's yeah. I mean, hopefully, like you said, it's true. Them cats went out in a blazing yeah. glory, man, and they they helped save lives, man. Definitely did, cause you know the White House might not be what it be, you know if that if that was the ultimate target, you know that. Who Man, knows? Who this. knows? Who knows what what the U.S. or the world would be like? You know, they they really are like Mount Rushmore of of heroes. Mm-hmm. You know, because if if the White House, if whoever was in the, you know, we know we know the president wasn't there, but just to have to rebuild that or to have to you know go through all that as a country, like to lose your like just like losing your queen and playing chess, right? You right. know, you still got your king. You can still hopefully get a couple more moves in, but this is about to be a wrap for you. You know, like that's. That would that would have been a big loss. So. Absolutely, and also one more thing about nine eleven. Um, you you mentioned conspiracy theories, man. So many conspiracy theories about the planes and the structure of the buildings and yeah. jet fuel. Do you believe any of those? No, because the only the only people just wanted to be like a hundred and whatever twenty story building. They wanted to topple over like Jenga. Yeah. Or they wanted to topple over like you push over a box off yeah. of a table. Like engineers and architects, they they, they go that. to school for a reason. They they they're not gonna put this building here and be like, if something was to happen, we lose six blocks of, of businesses. No. You know, so some of the structure, you know how it kind of York City blocks. Right. <laughs> there's no room for anything, you know. <laughs> So for it to fall, how it fell, you know, like crumble in on itself. I think that was just engineering. Mm-hmm. But I do with jet fuel though, it, it it burns different than than gasoline, you know. So of course it's gonna it's gonna be hotter. It's gonna melt things faster. You know, it's it's jet fuel. It's it fuels jets. You know, people. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'm not really into the. I, I'm more so into the like. When 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 Bush and Bin Laden was meeting, you know, a year, six months, whatever it was before nine eleven, mm-hmm. and it's like, come on, man, like no one knew, right? Nobody had any, any nobody in the CIA, ain't nobody <laughs> yeah, snitching. Come on, man, like <laughs> that's the that's the stuff that I like, man. It's always something more, like, but they have to sometimes do that because the eruption that they would get, you know, it's like. If something like really heavily came out like that, like at that time when everybody, oh, you know, from I'll tell you about that drive in 2002 that we made. Imagine driving through every small town you ever been through. That's what it felt like. So people were really lining the streets with their families, flags, you know, just wait, just waving at us as we came by, you know, and we stopped in a few cities along the way who like a small town that the post office was next to the school and the police station type of town, right. you know. That Mayberry. whole town 
they might, we might have used the church parking lot as a fueling station for the vehicles to come and fuel because I was riding with one of the fuel guys. So we left early, stopped for like six hours, and people would, you know come to fuel up and then move on. So in one town we stopped in, man, they had, I'm talking, everybody cooked something. Really? The kids was out there like doing they like, you know, they spring concerts, singing songs, like patriotic songs. People were just coming up to us, shaking their, our hands, crying, just like just happy, like supporting us. And the that that ride in that vehicle going thirty mile an hour for two days, you know, wasn't so bad when you had a grandma's fresh chocolate chip cookie to yeah. eat, you know, or a home cooked meal put in there for you that they just gave you. Like eat it when you're hungry, you know. And it's like I'll eat it now, you know. So <laughs> so those things were were dope, you know, were dope to be a part of, but. I mean, the way the country came together during that period, you know, you see all this type of stuff. Like, uh, they always run this special on ESPN that I catch where uh, President Bush threw out the first pitch mm-hmm. after the first game after 9-11 and everything like that. And you talk about um, the kid that um, went to Boston College with the red bandana and ran up in the tower trying to save people. And just a feeling of everybody, literally everybody. It wasn't at that time. Nobody was like, Oh, he's white. He's black. Right. It's just like, Hey man, we, we, everybody was on their best behavior yeah. being nice, really opening doors for people yeah. saying thanks. Appreciate it. Hey man, you good. Everybody was like that. And to watch it, not to be negative, but to watch it, what it is today to, te- to today, <laughs> And and just like always, we always eventually revert back to what we normally are. And it's sad that it takes a horrible incident like that to bring us together and we're all Americans then. Yeah. But then, you know, slowly but surely, uh, over time, everybody start to everybody starts to go back to doing anything. Much like, you know, we talk about people that like that work out and go to the gym. You like, you know, all right, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, you miss that day. Turns into two days. Turns into, oh, fuck it. I'll start again next month. Yeah. It, it, it's like that with people's personalities, yeah. too. When when a few a few pods ago, when we were on the Olympic push, and we were talking about that fake that fake pride, like, at that time, my, my, my thoughts in my head was about 9-11, too, because I feel like that's, unfortunately, the same. Fake. It, it might not be fake. It, it's the individual might feel, you know, patriotic or, you know, might feel that they're just in that spirit and in that mm-hmm. happy space. But, like, when you see it today, it's like, so what happened to that? Like, you still don't, you, you don't feel that way no more because time passed? Right. Like, what happened? Like, yesterday I I uh, went to a, a PGA golf event in mm-hmm. Indiana, and my cousin, uh, it was a BMW championship. He has a BMW. They had, like, an owner's parking lot. They showed us to the front of the like – it was, like, VIP treatment. We get on the shuttle bus. It's a black driver. Two people, like husband and wife, and me and my cousin on this bus. We were out there early. I say good morning to the bus driver. He's like, good morning. I look at them. I say, good morning. They just stare straight ahead. Like, and I just chuckle. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I tell my cousin, I'm like, I, I, guess, I guess I wasn't loud enough. You know, I said it like to where they could hear me. We're the only ones on the bus. So no one was talking. And it's just like, I just said good morning. Like, and so it's like, I'm not going to let them have a bad day. I'm going to take two shots for them later, you know. <laughs> so I ain't going to trip. I'm going to holler at some of these golfers and get drunk. Absolutely. <laughs> and to think about stuff like that, you know, if 
say whatever you want about the war or the president, uh, uh, President Obama or Bush for that matter, you know, you always, 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 always got to respect the troops. Dog. Yeah. Because, I mean, ultimately, they, a lot of them dudes didn't want to be there either. Yeah. Like you were saying, you yeah. were over there to get that good GI Bill. That's all I was signed up for. Signed up for <laughs> And you know what I'm saying? You put your life on the line. And they and obviously they didn't know that you served our country. But yeah. I bet you if they did know that. Yeah, if, if I would have had on my Operation Iraqi Freedom hat instead, yeah. of, instead of my Bengals hat. <laughs> it's probably the Bengals yeah. hat. It might have been <laughs> I was hoping the Colts lost. <laughs> we went to this little bar afterwards and I was like, Come on. Man, listen. That was a good game, yeah. man. That was a good game, Football, man. man. Football's back. Yes, indeed, man. Uh, y'all came off with a, a fluke, I mean, a victory yesterday. Yeah, I was trying to <laughs> iPad it and watch live golf. Oh, that's right. That's, yeah, 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 I had the iPad, but the I think, like, with the when they start broadcasting, you know, the signals get, like, when you go to any sporting event, mm-hmm. you know, they, you be in the stadium, like, why well, I can't post nothing, you know, so... Burning up your yeah. battery. Oh, man, <laughs> I had the phone charged and the iPad charged, and I had my pocket charger with me. I was prepared. I knew it was going to happen. I wasn't going to miss no – I thought I wasn't going to miss no football, but I ended up not – every time I went to the red zone, it was, you know, circling, not, mm-hmm. not, not broadcasting. The one thing that saved my life actually was this new DraftKings app that mm-hmm. they came out with where they do, like, it's red zone but just through text. Okay. So they're just typing what's happening. That was the only thing that was semi-working. So I'd be like, ooh, AJ caught a 50-yard pass touchdown, you know, half hour later after it happened. <laughs> but all in all, I got to follow it. You know, I was I was trying to – my ESPN app crashed. Crashed. Couldn't I, – I was trying to see if I was winning because I knew I had Spencer Ware and he was balling. Balling. I had, he balled out for me too. I had Drew Brees and Cooks all on one lineup. Ooh. Drew Brees, Cooks, and Spencer Ware. So I'm like, I got to have 100-some points by now, you Imagine know. having that in DraftKings, man. Yeah. So how was the golfing event? Man, it was cool. Man, it was uh, my first PGA event since going in 97. I went to uh, the Memorial here in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a practice round and I uh, got to see like Tiger and some of the golfers in the, in the late 90s. David Duvall, people that follow golf probably know one. But <laughs> my cousin, a few people out here might know who that yeah, is. Yeah. But um, we went out there, man. It was the uh, golf's version of playoff time. Um, they have a, they start out. Where they have like a hundred and maybe twenty people, and then the top seventy from that event move on to the next tournament, and then the top thirty from that event move on to the championship, where the top five guys have a chance to win ten million dollars, along with the million and whatever they're gonna win for that individual golf tournament. I'm sure, they so, win a car too. So they come out <laughs> with about eleven million Damn. if they win the golf playoff. So to be able to see the top seventy golfers, you know. In one place, we uh got there. We left at six thirty in the morning. Tea, tea time started at like eight thirty. We got there about eight. We uh, walked the whole entire front nine of the golf course. So got a got a good walk in, and uh, we walked most of the back nine. We had a, a actual being that my cousin uh, is a B and W owner. We got to go into the B and W owner tent, and they had you know drinks full. Oh, yeah. Full bar, full food. So Man, we got in there. It was like ten thirty. We like we we wide awake. You know, it's time for some shots. So we uh, ended up we ended up having a couple of drinks and then uh, we saw some seating that was there and uh, we got in the front row of the little seating area and sat there from probably ten thirty eleven o'clock till six thirty. Really? So 
when you're walking the course, I know like, do they tell you who you can walk with? Like what golfers you can walk well, with? Like they'll give you like a program like you would get at the you know a sporting event, and it has their golfer who's paired up with who and mm -hmm. their tee times, so you can kind of map it out. Okay. Like if it, everyone's at the first tee, everyone's at the driving range in the morning to see their favorite golfer warm up, because really, people that play golf and they're die hard with it, and they go to something like that. They want to watch the golfers hit the shots that they dream about hitting. Mm -hmm. Or when they hit that one good shot, they want that confirmation like, yep, I'm, I, I did that too. Except I, <laughs> except I did it once and they do it every time. You know, like, just like, you know, somebody that hoop, you right. know, like they see Ray Allen hit five threes and they go to the Y and hit six. They like, yeah, you know, so. Fuck with me, Ray. <laughs> right. So, I could do it too. <laughs> so we, we, uh, we, we actually went to the driving range in the first hole, watched a few guys tee off. But then we just we just was walking the the holes trying to get ahead of people. Okay. Because we wanted to get to the our goal was to because we had a tent pass for the fifteenth hole to go into their like hospitality tent, but the BMW tent was where you could see sixteen and seventeen and you could see a little bit of eighteen. Okay. So you had a better view of like if it was gonna be a close tournament like some drama happening on the last three holes where somebody might have messed up or you know got a bogey versus a birdie and change the tournament so we like we'll just stay here we didn't even go to that tent that we had to pass to we just stayed in there and uh just watched every golfer come through so we was we saw all 70 damn all day long we didn't even eat it was a good day too it wasn't super yeah. hot it didn't get hot the sun started beating us about 3 30 but from you know the whole day it was cool wind was blowing in the shade it felt great and in the sun at three or four o'clock you yeah. know on a 75 80 degree day it, it get hot but it wasn't unbearable. We didn't get out of our seat or nothing. We had breakfast at six thirty, and I didn't eat again until seven. We sat there all day, like like some real fans, like <laughs> diehards. Like we ain't losing this seat. It's a front row seat. Boys, I got seats, boy. I got to holler at the golfers like I hear on TV when they hit a shot and somebody holler out something random. I, I was that guy. What you say? I was three shots in. I was three beers in. I was letting them have it. Hollering at everybody when they, oh, come on, Duffner, boo. You know, I, I was, I was about to say, can you that do guy. that in the, you know, golf is like the gentleman's <laughs> right. sport? So you can you heckle them dudes? Um, Yes and no. Like, you have to do it where, like, they're not, not while they're, like, hitting the and shot. Back swing right. And all that. right. But, like, if someone hit a bad shot, you hear somebody, like, say, come on, Roy, you know, come on, Spieth. You know, like, you'll hear, like, that type of stuff. And then you'll hear, like, there, there's a few guys that, uh, one guy, uh, Brett Snedeker, he pitched in from probably like 70 yards away into the hole. So as he's walking up the green, I'm like, boy, Snedeker. Like, I'm, I'm hollering at him. <laughs> Everybody starts to clap. You know, like, he raises his hat to the – to the. I'm like, yeah, I, I started that. You know, I was that guy. I was, I was full fanned out. That's what's full up, man. Full fanned out. Because <laughs> everybody know you went to golf. Yeah, man. You know. I had a Snapchat the night before, man, because I had a DJ a, a, um, a reception Saturday, and it was my boy who this was a he has a destination wedding coming in November. His sister said they're gonna have about thirty people come just have a dinner. It was more like one hundred and fifty people. They surprised him, so it turned into like a real party. He had a good time. He's from L.A. or he lives in L.A. now, so he was trying to you know he wide awake. Let's mm -hmm. do something. So he wanted me to come back over there. So I went back over to. His, to his where he was staying at his parents' house, and uh, we chilled out. And it's like one o'clock in the morning, and I know I'm leaving at six. And I know I'm be walking all day on the golf course. I'm like, I gotta get a couple of hours of sleep. Right. I ended up just crashing there. Like, told the wife like, "Hey, 
getting three hours on, on this couch versus two hours at home. So crashed there, got up in the morning, went home, gone all day. So I was up, <laughs> you know, I had two hours up all day. And then the wife went back to work today, Monday. Dun, dun, dun. So I was on baby duty last night. So no sleep for you, eh? I slept when the baby I slept today. I have slept. <laughs> I've gotten like four two-hour naps today. So, so you uh taking another seat six weeks off, huh? Yeah, day one was today. <laughs> I that was you know it was it's dope to be able to do that, like to really yeah. <laughs> to really just be off work. And you know, people are asking me like, "How are you taking off this much time?" You know, I know that's what the, the job is thinking. I know, and I was like, "I'm just blessed that I DJ." You know, like. I've the before I had this job I was still a DJ. Before I had a job I was a DJ. You know, mm-hmm. I I spent two and a half years providing for two kids and my wife off this DJ and stuff. And then them records. So it was like the calendar is looking the way I wanted for the rest of the year. You know, I got at least two, if not three weekends for the rest of the rest of the year booked up. So it's like I I can make do with the DJ money and still pay the bills and you know it just would have been more of a savings, you know, mm-hmm. if I was working. But to be off during football time, I ain't got to trip about watching this uh, this 49ers tonight. You know, I ain't got <laughs> to cut it short. I can stand up and drink a beer if I want to. You know, shout to my dude, too. Man, he gave me like 20 beers leaving that reception. Woo. I asked him for a drink, and he was a you know, man of the hour, so he was busy. He forgot about it. So when I saw him again, I was like, can you give me a drink? Oh, I forgot. So he went and got me a drink. Went went down to the to the bar area, filled up a cooler full of beers, and was like, "Take these home too. They ain't gonna drink all this shit." Opened it up, it's like twenty Yinglings. I'm like, "Damn, that's what I drink too." I'm like, "That'll be cool." <laughs> Turned so, into one hell of a weekend yeah, for you, yeah, sir. Yeah, I had a great weekend. Though. The wife cool. said that, man. She said you was gone all weekend. I said, <laughs> yeah, I really was. <laughs> you can't make this up. You cannot make this up, <laughs> podcast man. Another one in the books, man. Yeah, man, twenty four, dog. 24 podcasts, man. Shots to shots to bars and beyond too, man. They always hold us down. Demarco over there, man. I, I I see the youngin, man. She got a got you got her on the road, man. I, I know that feels good to you, man. So keep grinding with that, and uh, make sure y'all support bars and beyond. They they uh, talk about it all, man. Absolutely, man. Can't make this up, podcast. Kev Nash, DJ Killer Kev, who they? Oh, I, I ain't gonna let you do that off. This, this guy, I, I ain't gonna I let you get... gonna do it. I ain't gonna do it. Go Redskins tonight, baby. <laughs> Go guy. Redskins. Black and yellow.